Welcome sports fans to the hottest sports podcast in the game, JT and the Don, with your hosts, Jimmy Thompson and Donato Bucci. They're covering the most current issues in sports from the 305 to the 412 and all the way to the West Coast. You can follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at JT and the Don or email them at JT and the Don at gmail.com. Now take it away, guys. Welcome to the next episode of JT and the Don. I am the Don, Donato Bucci. And remember to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and whatever platform you listen to all of your other favorite podcasts. And remember to leave us a five-star review. Thank you for the great intro by Nicole Thompson and the awesome intro music by our guy, Mike Regina. Let's get right to it. And let me welcome in everyone's favorite JT, Jimmy Thompson. How you feeling today? You know what? I feel that I'm proud of you because we haven't done this show in so long. Honestly, I didn't even know if you could still do the intro. Like, did you read off a paper or is it all still in your head? Like you just you're so used to doing this. It, it's it's all in my head uh, out the womb. Greatness, bro. What can I say? Wow. So you went on vacation for one week and you came back arrogant as hell. All right. I already see what kind of show this that, is going to be. That's what that South Florida air. The- that's exactly why you don't need to go back. <laughs> See, you know what? You were much humble when you moved. You go there for one week. You're arrogant. You think you know everything. Pretty soon, you're just going to take my name off the show, and it's just going to be you. Well, your name is first, and it always will be. So nothing I can do about that. Contractual obligations, I guess. Shoot, another visit to Miami. I don't know if anything's possible. Hey, you never know. The, the Northeast, the cold winters in the Northeast. They do humble you, JT. They do humble you. So I wouldn't know nothing about that, but exactly. I'm word see, for it. see, and that's why we all know how how arrogant you are. So what can I say? I'll just get to it. What are we talking about today? All right. Well, let's start with the NBA playoffs. It is now front and center as we near the NBA finals with the conference uh, finals going on. A lot of interesting stuff. JT. So first, let's start with the Brooklyn Nets, who were just eliminated in seven games by the Milwaukee Bucks. For the Nets, JT, who deserves the most blame for them not even making the Eastern Conference Finals? Is it KD, Kyrie, James Harden, or Steve Nash? Everything in me wants to say Kyrie's because I just don't care how he went about the whole, well, really the past two seasons to get to this point. But if we're really going to point the finger of why they didn't advance, you got to blame James Harden. And I don't see how you don't blame him. I mean, I feel like his whole journey to get to Brooklyn is just like a culmination of how things ended. He showed up in Houston out of shape on purpose. He basically forced his way out of a situation with the Rockets that he was mainly responsible for in creating because they gave him total control Then he got a hamstring injury, which probably is related to him showing up out of shape. And not only that, he didn't show up in game seven when KD needed a teammate to help him beat the Bucs. And just like James Harden did in Houston, nothing changed. He choked right on time in the playoffs when the team needed it most. And that's why he has that reputation. So if I'm going to put blame on anybody more so than the others, it's him. So I think it's unfair to blame any one individual because injuries and James Harden was, I don't think, 100 percent injuries played a huge role in this series. All right. And and I'm not taking anything away from the Milwaukee Bucks because you know how much I like them. You know how much I like Giannis. And we all know if you've listened to the show throughout the past year, I picked them to make the NBA finals, not once, but twice at the beginning of the year and then at the beginning of the playoffs. Now. With that said, if I got to pick someone, <laughs> you knew I had to throw that in there, JT. I mean, I just didn't think you were ever going to get to answering the question, but this is the moment we've been waiting for. Y- yes. Why? I, you know, Who I like, and why? You know I like to build things up. Listen, if I got to pick one person, it's got to be KD. This is what KD wanted, right? He built his own team. He got out of Oklahoma City. He got out of Golden State. He basically handpicked his teammates. This is what you wanted, right? So – You got to take the blame. And like I mentioned, he left Golden State. Why? Oh, there was no bond with 
Curry and Clay. Nah, he Draymond left because Green. Draymond was annoying. Let's, okay, let's but call it he, what it is. He didn't feel there was a bond there with whoever it was, whether it was Draymond, Curry, or Clay. Right? I he created his own team in Brooklyn. He he shot the the longest possible two point basket anyone could ever make at the end of regulation to send the game into OT. If he backs up an inch further, they're in the conference finals. I well, understand it was a great shot. That, you got you got to blame the shoes because he's, he's always wearing a shoe one size too big. <laughs> so if he had a smaller shoe, he wouldn't have stepped on the line. Okay, so we, we agree. We can blame him. And then on top of that, I don't care how tired he is. I don't care that he didn't have as much help as he thought he would. He airballed the last shot. Listen, because James Harden didn't show up. No, 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 no. Like, are, we, are we just are we just going to act like James Harden, KD, and Kyrie are all equal level superstars? Now, now KD's more talented, but these are three of the top eight players on the planet, bro. Like Harden was. He, he came to Brooklyn with the thought process and expectation that hey, these guys are going to pull their weight and it's going to be enough for us to beat anybody in our way but guess what Kyrie got hurt and James Harden didn't do his part KD left it all out on the court if anything I think he looks the best in this situation James Harden was not 100% and KD knew it Harden KD lucky Harden's 100% he's lucky Harden was on the court and let me let me finish with this if that was LeBron James that airballed that last shot, even if he had scored 49 or whatever KD scored in game seven, hit the game tying shot, ridiculous shot at the end of regulation. If this was LeBron airballing that three at the end, bro, he would have been punished in the media, on social media, by the fans, by his own yeah, fans. Right. Instead, Le- instead, KD, oh, you know, what a great performance. Ex- oh, exactly. you left it all. I mean, exactly. but he did. He did. And if LeBron, fairness, listen, fairness, they're on though, the same. Katie, right? Katie is not goaded the way LeBron is. Like, even though Katie is, uh, nah, he's not. A lot of people say he's, he's the not. best player in the world. He's, he's the not. greatest scorer of all time. KD, he's on that level. Conversation of all time great like LeBron is. Like, there's a bigger gap between the conversation of KD and LeBron than there is between LeBron and Jordan. Yeah, I'm big just, difference. But a lot of people think KD may be the greatest scorer of all time. If that's the case, he has to take the heat. The same way LeBron or Jordan would take the heat. Your boy Harden went along for the ride, and nah. that shit broke you, down. You you agreed. We're blaming KD. All right, so let's look at the team that beat the Nets, the Milwaukee Bucks. JT has Giannis silenced his critics with his playoff performance this year? <laughs> Absolutely not. No. And welcome to level two of Jumanji, Giannis. I'm sorry, but this is how it goes. Until he wins a title there will always be loud criticism. As a matter of fact, it'll be worse this year because they beat Brooklyn. And if you do that just to lose to the Hawks, that's worse. I would have rather them been bounced in the first round by the Heat. So he has to deliver a title. That's the only way that the critics will be quiet. I agree. If I will say right now at present moment, he has silenced the critics a little bit. But you're, you're completely right. Like, the job's unfinished. If he struggles, JT, this is the thing. If he struggles and they lose to the Hawks, oh, I mean, he was better off losing to the Sixers because the critics will be louder than ever. But this is why I say he's silencing the critics a little bit. He is only the seventh player in NBA history in a Game 7, JT, to score at least 40 points and grab 10 rebounds. Like, he showed up. In game seven, all right? Yeah, critics don't care about that. They don't care. They, they, oh. they, they don't. Oh, because but, what they're going to... But see, what, what's funny what is... what you're not taking into consideration is this. How many MVPs does he have? I understand. Just it, answer... It, just, just, uh, how many MVPs I, do you have? I'm going to answer it by going back to my previous statement. If you want to get on Giannis for all of this, you got to blame KD for losing that series. Game over. Let's go to the next question. The biggest headline... <laughs> From the conference semifinal round, yeah, really, to to South Beach more often. Really, was the Philadelphia 76ers in the demise of Ben Simmons in that series? JT, he only averaged 9.9 points, 8.6 assists, and 6.3 rebounds in seven in that seven game series while shooting 33% from the free throw line. So, this has led to several questions. But first, is it time for Philly to move on from Ben Simmons? And if so, uh, where do you think the right fit is for him in, in the role that he needs to play? All right. So 
a lot to unpack here. So let's go with should the Sixers move on from him first? That's such a complicated question because I don't think it's as easy of an answer as people think because I feel like everybody's just like, you know what, let's just burn Ben Simmons' jerseys. Let's just throw him under a bus like he's useless. I'll answer this first. Yes, the process is over. That's done. Now it's time to play ball, and you guys got to make moves to become a championship team. Um, I, and also, him and Embiid, I never thought they fit together, like, from a on-court aspect, and then also, like, personality-wise, they don't, they don't get along. And I think those two together have limited the Sixers in the playoffs. But here's the thing. This is why the Sixers kind of have to get rid of Ben Simmons. And I don't necessarily think it's because of his play. I just think it's because Daryl Morey is in town. And you know what type of teams he likes to put together because you saw it in Houston. Like, he is not going to have a guard on that team that can't shoot. And you just look at what they tried to do since he got there. Then they try to trade Ben Simmons. Like, they offered draft picks and, like, some players to get Harden out of Houston. So, and you look at the moves they made. They went and got guys like um, like Seth Curry, George Hill, and they drafted um, the kid Maxie, who I called as my, my sleeper in the draft when they, when, they take, when they took him. So what that tells you is he wants his guards to be able to shoot. So that's why I think they have to get rid of him. But at the end of the day, Philly has to make this choice. Either you fix Ben Simmons and you fix the situation around him, and you take a chance on a kid that's talented, young, and healthy, or you just wait for Joel Embiid's back and knees to be ruined. Point is, neither one of those choices, if the Sixers make it, guarantees them that they're going to go on a championship run. So it's it's a really difficult decision to make, but I think because Morey's there, Simmons is going to be the one that gets let go. Okay, so what's the right – where is the right fit for him? You didn't answer that. So the right fit for him is I just think you got to put him on a team where there's a, a, a guard or a point guard where he can essentially like run a lot of pick and rolls and screens with. And I think that's how he's going to provide value on offense. Cause if you look at his game, like he's basically like a tall Draymond green. Like that's what he does. Like he can rebound. He can, he can pass. Like he's, a, he got the gift of vision. He's just not a shooter. Like, he can do everything else except for shoot. And I think if you pair him with someone like maybe Damian Lillard in Portland, you can say Golden State, or I know this might sound funny because they just beat him. I would think he would be a good fit in Atlanta with somebody like Trey Young because, like, those are teams that have players that, you know, like, they kill people on pick and rolls. And if you have somebody like Ben Simmons, I think it enhances the team's ability to do a lot of things both on offense and defense. But I want to say my favorite place for him to go would be the Mavs because I feel like it would be a good fit with Luka, but you can't have two of the worst free throw shooters like on the planet on the same team because they'll just tank in the playoffs. But yeah. Atlanta or Portland is where I think he'd be a good fit. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I think it's time for Ben Simmons to move on. You bring up a good point with Daryl Morey. I think it's just due to the fact of the comments by Doc Rivers and Joel Embiid after the game. When your head coach – after the game in the media, JT, this isn't just like on a one-on-one -on -one exit interview. This is in the media where he has asked, can Ben Simmons be the point guard on a championship team? He said, basically, no, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. What kind of confidence is that in him? How did, how does Simmons come back to that, to a coach that, that doesn't think he can do it. And then Joel Embiid basically called him out in the, Holy well, shit! Because it, it, but it was but clear in that moment that he I was scared, and I, I, I don't. How scared do you have to be to dunk the basketball? I, listen, that's what he does. I, I know. I understand all that, but for a, a superstar teammate like that to do it to supposedly another star teammate, JT, I don't know how you game over. You think for them yeah, too? Yeah, I don't know how you fix that. That would be like you calling me out on the show. I do that shit all the time. Oh, you, yeah, you do. Never mind. So and you still come back. Ben Simmons will come back because you're coming back for no, free. but I, I'm He's joking coming back for millions of dollars. I, I'm joking about you and I, but we know the way it is in the locker room, right? You need to have that team chemistry. And Joel Embiid was not joking when he called out Ben Simmons. So well, I think I, he got I, tired of it because I because I feel like because Ben Simmons' game hasn't developed and Embiid's been putting it all on the line. Like he talk about not being healthy. 
Like he's out there risking years of his career to be, to make a championship run. And Ben Simmons is scared to shoot or take a dunk. And the other part is Philly fans. We know how tough they are. They're going to be riding him. I mean, they were booing him in game seven when the they're game gonna was ride still him until close. He starts taking jump shots, <laughs> but they're going to ride him unless he gets them to a championship. And, and I don't know if they can do that with this sort of team right now. So I think he he has to go. And and you mentioned it beautifully. The process is over. So these are my three teams. I would say the Clippers, if somehow they could fit him because they got Paul George defensively, Kawhi defensively, Simmons. I mean, JT, no one's scoring on that team. And then Kawhi and Paul George really are taking the shots in the heat at the end of the game where Simmons can go to the bench. So that would work out perfect. Uh, two other teams I'm going to throw out here that are up and coming because I think he needs to go to a team that's rebuilding, that's getting young pieces to where there's no pressure. Like he needs to play well, but they're not going they're not expected to win the title in the next three or four years. That's where I think he needs to go. So look at Minnesota. He can defend. He doesn't need to score. And he has a big man with cat or the other spot. Maybe the Detroit Pistons. They just won the NBA lottery, right? So they can nah, probably go Kane. Dwayne Casey will just stick him on the bench and well, he'll play on, him hold on. two no, games no, and he'll no, play no, Stewart no. three games. No, no, like, listen, you already know that how that listen, goes. Kate Cunningham probably going to the Pistons. They need a pure point guard because they tried Dennis Smith Jr. That's not worked out. And I have it written down. Dwayne Casey, listen, we know what he did with Kyle Lowry. Lowry became a leader under Casey and maybe Simmons can do the same. Maybe that's who he needs. Just unless you're telling me that Ben Simmons is just going to consistently start taking 10 jump shots a game. The only way I see him being of starter value now that he's been exposed. Cause like you've seen it in the playoffs the past couple of years, I think the Celtics started doing it a couple of years ago where it's like, look, basically if you take away the, the half court, you, you, you put him in a half court offense in the playoffs is useless because Teams that have players that can get their own shots are usually the ones that win rings and advance in series. So you have to put him with somebody that has the ball in their hands that can shoot, but is enhanced by the fact that he is a good pick and roll player. Yes, and I feel got- like on those teams that you named, I don't know who the guy is. Like, like it's Ka- Clippers. Do you see Kawhi Leonard? being a good pick and roll player with Ben Simmons. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if that is like the best fit. Why not? But then look at Detroit. They got a bunch of young guys. They're going to have to run pick and roll. And you I don't got think Kate it's a, I think it's about whether I think it's about where he, where he can use his best strengths. Cause at the end of the day, he ain't going to have a jump shot. Like I just don't see it. happening. Yeah, I, I don't think so. So he needs to go to a team that at the end, he can come off the court, go to the bench. Cause there's other scorers on the court. That's really didn't have that. He needs to go to a team where they're going to use him like Draymond Green gets used in Golden State. Because that's who he is. Like, that's just who he is at this point. Nah, that's different. Draymond, people respect his long-distance shooting and free throws. Well, and free throws. So does Ben Simmons deserve more criticism for not developing his own offensive game? Are you crazy? Absolutely. I've never heard of a guard that doesn't even attempt a shot. Like, on what planet – of basketball does that happen like like i said you've been in the league since 2016 you have no three-point shot no mid-range shot it's just hooks and dunks like that is your game even lonzo ball who had one of the brokest shots i've ever seen has fixed his shot and developed into a three-point shooter like he's actually good now at shooting the ball michael kidd gilchrist who has the most ridiculous shooting form of all time guess what it was ugly as hell but he still took shots like you have to you have to absolutely criticize it. Like it's it's almost like he's not even trying to work on it. I think listen, he has to be working on it. I mean, there's no doubt he's gotta be working to on Stephen it. Stephen A. Smith, he's well, not. Stephen A. Smith in the gym with him 24-7. I you mean, got I, a text from somebody that was in the gym with him. They said that he is lazy, he don't work on his game. So that's well, what Stephen A. He, Smith said. He's gotta take some heat. Of course, he's got to take accountability. He has to take heat for the free throws. 
if you if he's not shooting, no, you know, I, 500 I think, I think the shooting is worse than the free throws. No, 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 some no, no, people no. that are bad see, free throw shooters. See, no, that's work on that. No, see, that's where yeah. you're wrong. No, that's where so you're the, wrong. So are you gonna say, so are JT, you gonna say Russell hold on, Westbrook no, no, don't no, work on his free hold, throws? Hold on, hold on a sec. Russell Westbrook's not nearly as bad at free throws as Ben Simmons. Come on, Ben Luka Simmons. Doncic is listen. I'd rather have Shaq and Luka Doncic at the line with my life on the line than Ben Simmons, and I think we both agree. The difference is you keep talking about shooting. He's not a three-point shooter. You got people, you got to know his limitations. The difference that I'm upset with is at the end, he has an easy layup and he passes. You know why? He's scared to get fouled and goes to the the free throw line. So that's my whole point. He's got to take accountability for free throws. If he's not shooting 500 a day, then that's on him. But I got to give a lot of criticism to the Sixers. How have they developed this guy? How have they helped him? I don't think they have. Doc Rivers comes in. Listen, this is nothing new. We're all acting like all of a sudden Ben Simmons woke up the next day and couldn't shoot anymore. We knew what his problem was. Who helped him? Did Doc? Did the assistants? Doesn't seem like anyone. And That's now, what Stephen A. Now, was saying. Hold on. He doesn't want to hold, work on hold it. Hold on. And then two days later, Doc is like, oh, we have a plan for Ben Simmons. Well, why don't you put that in last summer? And JT, if it's true what you and Stephen A. Smith are saying, because you you guys got guys on the inside, I guess, in the gyms with Ben Simmons, then you know what? You should have got rid of him. You should have traded him for they a tried. second round and nobody pick. Nobody wanted to take him. They're That's not true. If you knew he was that much of a liability, get rid of him for a first round pick, even if it's at the end of the first round. Well, here's Come on. also you do make good points. And I obviously what we're both saying is we think he does have to, he deserves criticism for not developing his game, especially because he is a guard. If you don't want to develop your game offensively the way you should, you need to meet, need to move the power forward and just shut up. Two things. I talked about this with you for fantasy purposes. I feel like beginning of last year and I, I do agree with you on the point that Philly has kind of sabotaged them. And I, I think it's because they just don't have really a lot of good shooters around him. And like, I always say, like, if you're going to keep Ben Simmons, you got to use him kind of like the magic used Dwight Howard that year they went to the finals. And it's like shooters on the wings. And that opens up the lanes for him to go and do his thing. The problem is Embiid is there. That's why they're not a good fit. And two, I was reading this um, a couple weeks ago before like he had this this epic meltdown and I did not know this so JJ Reddick I think had like a podcast and they were discussing like Ben Simmons issues from when he was there with the 76ers and basically what he was saying was like yeah Ben Simmons is a lefty but basically like by nature like he's naturally a righty and like basically like his dad made him do things left-handed on the basketball court I guess to give him an edge but like when you look at what he's comfortable as far as scoring, like he does everything right-handed. Like he does his hooks right-handed. Like the layups are usually right-handed. Um, when he does attempt shots, like the ones that he does right-handed, like are much better. And he was saying basically like, yeah, he has to work on that. But Philly, sh- what they should do is just break him down and just turn him into a right-handed player. And I think he, for that reason, Philly has failed him by not putting him in the right situation. And he needs to go to a team that's all in on basically stripping him down and finding what he does well and building that back up. Because I think he's broken mentally because he doesn't know what to do and what actually works. Detroit basketball. Go ahead. He should come to the magic. Shit. They need everybody. Hey, I'll take it. Listen, well, I'll give you a first round pick. We'll give you the number eight overall pick. It's not going to be the number eight overall pick for a guy that can't shoot, but it actually would be a good deal. I think they should do it. Yep. All right, so let's go to the NFL, where this past Monday, Las Vegas Raiders defensive end Carl Nassib became the first active NFL player to come out as gay. Uh, He's received support from other players, the Raiders organization, analysts, and other athletes outside of football. So I want to ask you, how important is this for other NFL players in the future? Well, first, I mean, good for him to have the the confidence and, and courage uh, to announce this. I can't imagine it was easy uh, as I'm sure he was probably worried about how his team, his teammates, fans, and other players in the league would react. And uh, you know, JT, I, I hope one day we can get to the point where an athlete such as Carl Nassib, you know, doesn't have to worry about admitting, you know, whether they are gay or, or, or lesbian. So to answer the question, I think it's very important because the NFL, as we know, it's the top dog of all the leagues, right? So 
everyone's going to be watching how he is treated from from here on out, how his career ends up and how well he plays um, by teammates, opponents and and fans. And, you know, I think the big difference because getting a lot of comparisons to the Michael Sam announcement, I think the big difference here is that, you know, Carl Nassib is in the middle of a three year contract and he gets a lot of playing time. Like Michael Sam never played a regular season game. I don't even know if he played a preseason game. Yeah, that's a, that's a good player. He's got two six-sack seasons. Right. So, like, this is a major impact. And the fact that, you know, his announcement has received attention, but it's it's received less fanfare, I think, than the Michael Sam announcement is a step in the right direction. Because it, it's what Carl himself said in his videos that, and I quote him here, he actually hopes one day that videos like this in the whole com- coming out process are just not necessary. So I think his his hope and goal for the younger people behind him are that they don't need to make these announcements because it'll be, it, it it won't, it doesn't need to be. It won't a, be as big of a deal. It'll be a norm. Exactly. Exactly. Well, it it'll be, it'll be, be the, it'll be, it'll be the norm. Right. Yep. So um, gr- good points. I also want to break down something that he said, because I watched the video of him um, like making his coming out announcement. Like first, the fact that he was like, he was just so, you could tell he was just so comfortable with himself, like almost to the point where it's like, I would not be shocked if like guys that he's friends with in the Raiders locker room, like always knew this. And he was just like, you know, they're just cool with it. And that's probably why he just felt, he, it just it was a sense of just so comfortable with himself in his announcement video. But the one thing he did said was basically like, he wasn't doing it for attention. He's he was describing himself as a private guy, but he was basically saying that he was doing it for other marginalized people that don't have this opportunity to do it themselves. And to me that I'm, I'm all on board with that. Cause that's the same language across any group of marginalized people when, you know, guys or women that do have the platform, they stand up and they say, you know, what's right. And they're doing it for the little guys. So shout out to him. So uh, I really do appreciate that he did that. And that's why he said was one of the main reasons that he did the video. But also, I want to shout out Michael Sam for essentially paving the way because Michael Sam was the open look at what eventually, if Carl Nassib, what he hopes happens, becomes the norm, it's going to be the it's going to be the Michael Sam look. It's going to be, you know, there's going to be there's all there's been gay players in the NFL. There's gay players in the NFL currently. We just don't hear about it. But, you know, you want to be able to see Carl Nassib, like, celebrate with his partner, you know what I'm saying, like a regular couple. So, like, shout out to Michael Sam for paving the way, even though, you know, he might not have got a fair shot, which I think. But I want to ask you an honest question. We're talking about the support that Nassib has received. It's great. I'm glad to see that. I honestly don't know. So I need your help. Is it he's receiving support because he's been in the league for five years or has that much changed socially in the last seven years between now and then when Michael Sam came into the league? I mean, because the NFL seems the same to me, just like anything. It's probably a little bit of both. Okay. Now, I mean, I don't know for sure. I mean, what is What does your gut tell you? I think it's a little bit of both. All right. It could be. Now, to answer your question about how well, – answer the question about how important is this for other NFL players in the future, honestly, I think it just depends on the person because, to me, I'm just speaking as a black person. I know – I think it's a problem in our community, and it hurts us a lot, and it's the way that we deal with homosexuality amongst males in our community. It's, they're not, we're not accepting. We're not open to have discussion and dialogue about it. So that's why I feel like there are players in the NFL that are black and gay and they don't come out because they know their career will be over. And you even see it like look when Michael Sand came out, there was so much backlash because it was in your face. The, uh, I felt like even Tony Dungy, who's the like epitome of black coaching was like when Michael Sand was coming into the league, he said, look, I wouldn't sign him because I don't want the distraction. And then like, I feel like that is kind of like the thing in the black community. And I feel like, because Carl Nassib is white, I think that it is being a little bit more well-received because I think in the white community, it is better received than it is in the black community. I don't know if this changes anything for any potential 
gay black players that want to come out in the future. Like I would have to see a black player do what Carl Nassib did to see if it's going to get the same response because I'm not so confident that it will. Interesting. I mean, you bring up a good point and I guess only the, the future will tell JT. So also on Monday, another announcement was made and that was by the U S Supreme court where they ruled nine to nothing in the case of Alston versus national collegiate athletic association that NCAA member colleges violated antitrust law by collectively disallowing members from providing athletes with unlimited in-kind educational benefits. The NCAA was essentially restricting compensation to athletes for educational items, such as musical instruments, laptops, education in the future and, and et cetera. So JT, what are your initial thoughts on this ruling and what does this mean to the future of college athletics? I think it's good. Well, here's the thing. This is what I want you to do for, um, for the people that are listening. Cause I know you're the, you're the legal expert. I sort of kind of understand some things that you're saying, but there's some people that are listening that don't know what the hell antitrust law means and break this down in layman's terms. You're essentially looking at whether or not they are exempt from it, meaning there's, there's certain things that they can do that other companies or industries are not able to do. Like just for example, limiting, whether it's limiting competition or in this case, you know, having a business model and not paying the workforce for mm -hmm. it. So we'll, we'll stick specifically to that example of the NCAA. All right. So after your great, great analysis and breakdown of that, what I think it means for the future of college athletics is basically the government is about to blow up this model and they're going to, they're basically telling the NCAA, we're going to show you how to do this and make more money than you ever dreamed of because the way you're doing it has been stupid dated and you should be partnering with these kids to get more money into your pockets instead of just shutting them out and keeping it for yourself so i think climate and times have changed where the whole student athlete thing that they've been using to say of, as why they don't play players like as years go on people just don't believe that and things become more public of how much these these schools and ncaa are making and these college athletes are left with nothing so I think the government stepped in and is like, you know what, we're going to redo this whole thing. We're going to find a situation where everyone wins. NCAA, you're still going to make a lot of money, but these players are going to get a piece too. And at the end, it's a win-win. So that's what I think it means. Well, I think initially it shows that the NCAA's rules, in particular this one, um, regarding the educational benefits, is so absurd that even JT, the Supreme Court, all nine justices agreed. Think they about that. On everything altogether. Think, think about that. All nine agreed. I mean, that's unheard of. Yeah. So that goes to show you how absurd this particular rule was. This doesn't have anything to do with the name, image, and likeness. Not the abandon, yeah. Has nothing to do with paying athletes for their services or for playing. And that's really what, what the antitrust laws come down to in this situation. And, you know, cause normally it deals with the, you know, restricting of competition in monopolies, right. Which the NCA basically is, but goes a step further here. And it, you know, is dealing with compensation. Um, but I don't think this particular ruling will change anything right now, as far as what I mentioned, the name image and likeness being paid for that being paid for actually playing, but maybe it's a start in the right direction. Um, but again, conferences now could still pass their own rules to limit these educational benefits. Mm -hmm. So it, it's still tricky. I, yeah, it's still tricky. I don't think it solves anything, but what it does do again, it shows you how absurd some of these NCAA rules are that even the Supreme court agrees, or I should say all nine justices agree. And, you know, to go, to go a step further where, this could be, you know, something in in the right direction. Is that and I and I had this quote up earlier and now I can't find it, but even even the justices are basically questioning the um, the NCAA and whether them not paying athletes 
is, you know, is, is the right thing. So I think it's going to be interesting going I forward. Will, I will but right this. now, this does nothing. This does I nothing will, right now. I think immediately, I don't think it moves the needle a lot, but I tell you this, you can say all you want. Once uncle Sam gets involved, things are going to change. So I think the NCAA's days are numbered where they can get away with all this stuff, but we'll see. Well, that's the thing. People think Congress is going to have to act and, and step in for the name image likeness and athletes getting paid. So we'll, we'll see. All right. So let's expand the repertoire and let's talk about baseball. So we're going to focus on major league baseball and Shohei Otani uh, through this past Sunday, he's hit 23 home runs with 54 RBIs while batting 272. Uh, he ranks second in the American League in slugging percentage, total bases, and ranks third in RBIs, all while pitching to a 3-1 to record in 10 games with an ERA of, hold on to your hat, 2.7 and 73 strikeouts in just 53 innings. So how special of a season are we seeing right now? Listen, it's it's fun. It's awesome, especially for people on the East Coast to be able to watch those late night West Coast games and Otani's hitting and pitching. Listen, that that's awesome. But I don't think this is like a top 10 season of all time by a particular player. I mean, OK, thank you. OK, we I feel like we're going to agree on this. Like, I didn't want to be the guy that said it, but now that you're saying it good, I'm, whatever you're saying, I'm going along with. I mean, Jacob deGrom season right now may be more special. I, I don't know if he'll be able to finish it, but seven and two. You talked about Otani's ERA. JT deGrom right now, 0.50 ERA. Insane. That's ridiculous. In 72 innings. He has 117 strikeouts, and his war is 4.5. Otani, who hits and pitches, his war is 4.6. So, and you look at his pitching, Otani only has 73 strikeouts in 53 innings. Again, DeGrom, 72 innings, 117 strikeouts. His Otani's hitting obviously does both. It's the home runs. It's the home runs that's making everybody just go crazy. Right, and that could be the argument is, look how good of a pitcher he is. And then he hits too. Like this guy's the modern day version of Babe Ruth. I would just say, hold on, because he bats 269. Yes, 23 homers, 54 RBIs, but he has 81 strikeouts. He strikes out a lot. I would well, most, take most of the power hitters do. I would take Vlad Guerrero, who our dude Guillermo Martinez, the hitting coach of the Blue Jays, is having a, a huge influence on Vlad. Vlad's batting 340 with 23 homers, 60 RBIs, only 50 strikeouts with the OPS of 1.109. Like Vlad is statistically having a better hitting season than Well, Otani. just focusing on hitting though. That's the thing. And I understand that. Yeah. But you can't you 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 can't discredit though because they're not guys hitting. like Acuña and Tatis who still play defense. Yes, pitching's one aspect. He's but, DHing. But you've got other guys that are playing both ways too. So they're playing in the field, maybe not pitching, but they're playing in the field and hitting. You can't just discredit their fielding because Otani's a pitcher. Yeah, I, it's just it, I, I think I don't want to discredit what he's doing because first of all, I'm just glad he's staying healthy. Like that's the main thing. Like we actually get to see him, you know, live up to this promise that he had when he came over here. Um, I think it's more fun than special because you look at what was it last week. They were doing a breakdown of his games for the week, like Tuesday, Wednesday, he hit a home run. Thursday, he pitched six innings, had one earned run, five strikeouts. Then the Friday after that game, he hit two home runs, and then he hit a home run on Sunday. So, like, that kind of stuff is fun to see the guy have a good pitching out, and he's still, like, he's hitting the long ball. But like you mentioned, like, those other guys are having statistically better and more special hitting seasons, and he's not even the best pitcher. So, I don't, I don't know how special it is, but I, I'm enjoying that I'm seeing it right now. Can I just say that? Absolutely. And that's what I said. It's fun. It's awesome. I love that they're a West Coast team because at 1030 at night, if I can't fall asleep, I'll put on an Angels game. How, let me ask you a question before I get to the next one. How hard do you think the Yankees are kicking themselves for not going harder to get him in free agency and then settling on Stanton? 
I mean, I'd have to go back and see how much effort they actually put in because I'm sure they gave him a good bid. But you got to remember, part of Otani is staying on that West Coast yeah, because absolutely. that's really where he's going to have a shine. Yeah, probably. Um, which is interesting because usually on the West Coast, you get less shine than when you're on the East Coast because the games are on so late at night. But I'm sure he gets a lot more uh, publicity on the West Coast than he would than he would like on the East Coast. But New York's always a different beast. You're always going to be in the media there. So, you know, but maybe there would have been too much pressure there. I mean, maybe. playing for the Angels, he's not even playing for the Dodgers. So, I think Otani, that was the right move. The Yankees, you're right. Maybe they are kicking themselves. So everyone is excited about the home run derby. So on Friday, they announced that Otani is going to actually participate in the 2021 home run derby. But interesting question I want to ask you, given his injury history, do you think he should be participating in a derby at all? Yeah. Yes. Give the fans what they want, JT. You can never go wrong when you give the fans what they want. Remember those words. If anything, if anything you remember from this show, give the fans what they want. You can never go wrong. Listen, this could help his star power, his, you know, the the whole fandom around him. Like, is there, let me ask you this, JT. I don't know the answer. Maybe there is out there. Is there direct evidence that home run derbies injure guys? No, but you know that I don't believe it's true, but you know that myth that the home run derby destroys your pace for the year, like destroys your swing. But no, I, I haven't heard who's to say that wouldn't have a direct result of the derby. Yeah. Who's to say that your pace wouldn't slow down anyway after the break, That's right? The There's more know. footage on you. You've now taken a break. Maybe you cooled off because you happen to be off for a week. Doesn't matter. Maybe the home run derby helps. It keeps it keeps you hitting. I don't know. I'm going to say no. And I just think it's because he hasn't been able to stay healthy before this season. I think he needs to treat the home run derby. But it's usually his pitching arm that has given him the problems. Yeah, but I'll get to that. He needs to treat the home run derby like I think players treat the NFL Pro Bowl. Just sometimes you don't go and let the alternates take the swings for you. Like, I just think that's how he needs to do it. And interesting, you brought up you brought up uh, Vladdy, Vladdy Jr., who is not participating in the home run derby. And he said it best. He'd like to use this time to regroup, refresh mentally for the second half of the season. Like, I feel like that's what Otani should be doing. Like he should be thinking, you know what? I need any, any designated rest time that I can get. I need to take that just to make sure I stay healthy because who knows they could make a playoff run. Like he needs to do everything he can to get all the rest he can. And I don't think by doing the home run derby he proves anything like you're still going to be a good player you're still going to be a good home run hitter you're still going to be a good pitcher like he has nothing to gain from doing this he's a young guy he'll be fine one time isn't going to ruin anything it's one time one time not a big deal he can do okay. it okay i'm just going to take that J2. i'm going to take that model into life and everything just one time one time <laughs> not going to ruin anything listen right, cool. i learned there, it from you first there used to be this show called home run derby where guys like Willie Mays, they used to they used to be on this show every week. The winner would keep going every week. Like, what has changed? What has changed? I mean, come on. You, can- you just want to see it because it seems like it's a loaded lineup. It's him, Tatis. I know Alonzo's going to defend this title. So there's some it's, good hitters. It's Stan's good. Be in it. It's good for the sport. If he wants to continue to make a lot of money, you do this. You get more marketing deals. The, the sport gets better TV ratings when guys like Tatis, Vlad, Trout, Otani are in the home run derby. And guess what? Ratings go up. TV contracts go up. Your salary goes up. Do it for the fans. It can never go wrong. All right. Are, are you done on that? I'm done. We you, got some baseball you, in. You, I you love on this YOLO lifestyle after Miami I, all of a sudden. So I don't know what the hell is going to happen with the remainder I, of the show. I love it. We got baseball on this show, in this show, finally. I Vegas love it. Fans out here telling people, you know, do all this crazy stuff. As long as you do it once, it's all good. I didn't say all that. I That's said home run derby. It. I Go said ahead. home run derby. This is a controlled environment. All right. All right. So – all right, let's have some fun here, even though we always have fun on during the whole show. 
uh, near the end of the show here. And let's talk some fictional sports movies, JT. You down for that? Let's do it. All right. So it came up because with the release of Space Jam 2 coming out on July 16th, and again, I'm sure all the LeBron haters are going to say, this isn't even as good as Michael Jordan's Space Jam, but, uh, you know. Michael Jordan's Space Jam wasn't even that good. (laughs) So, so it got us thinking sports movies. All right. You started it and, and then it got it got me going too in terms of thinking about sports movies. So JT, we're gonna give our top five, our list of top five favorite sports movies of all time. We're not talking about necessarily the best, the best all right. The ones by, that we love by critics. We're talking about the ones we love, the ones that we can always watch. Even if it comes on halfway through, we're watching it till the end. Um it was let's so go. hard to make a list of only five, though. I know, I know. So let's start with number five. You go, then I go. So number five, what do you have? Super corny, but every time this movie's on, I love it. Um, it's the Mighty Ducks too. Like, I just love how like they go up against Iceland. Keaton Thompson's in there with the knuckle puck. Like <laughs> the, the it knuckle is just puck. <laughs> it, honestly, that is that is what that is my favorite hockey movie. Like I didn't, I don't even like the original Mighty Ducks that much, but like when that movie came out, like I watched everything that was Mighty Ducks related after it. Listen, that is man. I'm mad I don't have that one on my list. But I, I, I was watching the Mighty Ducks two like two weeks ago. Anytime it's on, I watch it. It even made me watch the uh, the new Mighty Ducks show that's on Disney Plus. So like D two, that is that is the jam right there. Is that show any good? Do you recommend it to the viewers? If you like the Mighty Ducks, yeah, absolutely. Okay, all right. I'm gonna have to watch it then. Number five, I've got White Man Can't Jump. I mean. Yeah, it's a good movie. It, it's awesome. What what can you say? Like, it, it's just awesome. I, I don't know so what hard. else. So, that's Sydney in my Ames? top ten, but it's so hard to not to put it in top five for me. Sydney, but that's the thing. Like, anytime it comes on, JT, it could come on at the beginning, and I I could maybe have something important going on. Like, I'm watching the movie. I'm gonna I'm gonna put an He's hour. Like, that's where I could be Billy Hoyle. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So number four, what do you got? Um, the movie I feel like gets forgotten a lot of times, but when it came out, it was like the sports movie to me. And I think it really like started this like uh, chain of sports movies, like being real and gritty. It's the program. Ooh. Okay. Okay. Um, that's James Caan, huh? Yeah. Come on, man. I've got, I've got number four. I, I'm sure you don't have it on your list, but I love Hoosiers, man. Hoosiers is a great movie. You you would love Hoosiers. That's like definitely your type of movie. Gene Hackman's in it. Dennis Hopper. It's just uh, just something about it, it comes your, on, your, and your, I'm wa- your favorite drug party actors from the '70s and '80s. Awesome. <laughs> wow. All right, number three. Who do you have? All right, I'm not I'm not doing this to be funny, but this is a legit tie because I literally watch these two movies every time they're on, and it's a tie between Any Given Sunday and Coach Carter. To me, I think Coach Carter is my favorite basketball movie of all time, and Any Given Sunday is one of my favorite football movies of all time. I've, I've watched that movie, I feel like, at least three times since I moved. Dude, our lists right now couldn't be any different, could they? That's what makes it great. <laughs> Number three, I've got Rocky. I got to have Rocky. Was make it Listen, somewhere. it was tough. Lower not- than I thought. It, I know it was tough not putting it number one. I really like all the like Rocky two is up there too, but I appreciate and respect the original Rocky number two. Who do you have? Just watched this while working out the other day. Still good every time I watch it. Remember the Titans. Hey, we agree on one. I got remember the Titans number two as well. Nice. I mean, listen. What do you what do you say, man? Like it's every every care you know every every player on the team, and like they don't necessarily (laughs) get all the shine. Like, come on, man. Julius Campbell, Bertier, Petey, Sunshine, Allen, who can't cover nobody. Rev. Like, yeah, like even all the people that um that they play, man. Like it to me, I felt like that was that's one of the most perfectly made sports movies ever, just like from the look, the way they got you to like feel like you were back there in that time, and like all that like you look how many great actors in that movie it, it makes sense why it's so good yep yep i mean ryan gosling's in it right i mean yeah he's like a nobody yeah yep all right who you got as number one creed 
and you it should be no surprise that is <laughs> my knew. favorite sports movie of all time and this is a recent thing i feel like the past really since the pandemic started i don't know why like either creed's been on like every time i watch the movie i find i i noticed something different that i didn't notice before it's a great story i feel like even though i know what's gonna happen like i just keep watching until the end like it's just a perfect mix of bringing everything from the past that people love about Rocky and putting this new spin on the whole Creed story. And like, honestly, it's, it's great. And I feel like to this day, it was robbed of being, being uh, the best picture at the Academy Awards, but definitely that's my favorite sports movie at the moment. Okay. Okay. My number one is, it's hard to admit this as a Canes fan, but I could, I could probably watch it every day, and that's Rudy. Rudy's number one. <laughs> you, my, my favorite. My favorite. I'm not going to lie. You know I'm not so going to lie. I should have seen this coming a mile away. You would love Rudy. Like You could so relate to that movie. Hey, I guess that's why, you know, that's why it's number one to me, I guess. I think Rudy is probably one of the more overrated movies the older I get, but I, I'll still watch it. But, dang, number one? Over, I would have, I would have rather you put Rocky number one than Rudy. Why? Why is why do you think Rudy's not that good? It's based on no, I don't, story. I, I don't think it's, it's inspirational. I don't think that it's not good. I just don't think it's better than Remember the Titans. I just really don't. I think it's yeah. Listen, there, there, it's probably like one A, one B, or one and one A, mm. however you want to put it. I think I I don't know at this point. I think I'd rather rather watch Varsity Blues than Rudy. <laughs> That's just disrespectful. That's disrespect. Any honorable mentions? Oh yeah, um, three uh, Rookie of the Year. I love I love that movie. Um, Angels in the Outfield. As corny as that is, that's I got love. I grew up on that. I love that movie. Gotta and, love um, I already said Varsity Blues, so I'll give you another one. What's another really good sports movie that I watch all the time? Um. You know what? You know what sports movie is? It's not great, but I've I've watched it a few times. Every time I watch it, I like it. Good story, Gridiron Gang. Okay. Oh yeah, with the Rock, right? Yeah. Very good. good story. Very good. I, I got to give an honorable mention the Major League. Got to have that on there. Yeah. I mean that that's a that's a classic. Um. So I'll I'll just go with the one honorable mention. I'll go oh, the major league. And for the fighting uh blood sport, gotta go with that too. But well, I mean, you already got Creed and Rocky. Yeah, but I, I gotta give some love to the MMA karate guys. So that and uh karate kid three. See, there's so, so many sports movies. So in researching all this, JT, you know what I've noticed on multiple websites that have the best. Number one as the best all-time sports movie? It's probably Rudy because everybody loves Notre Dame. It, it's not. You want to take one more guess? Um, Is it an older movie? Uh, yeah, I'll give you a hint. It's in the 90s. In the 90s. Best sports movie ever is probably... Um, now, I've seen this on multiple lists. Probably some baseball movie. I'll, I'll give it to you. Hoop Dream. Yeah, but that's like that's that's the documentary though. I'm just saying that's what I saw. All right, so one last thing before uh, we let the fans go here, we're gonna stick with movies, sport movies. JT, give me your starting five lineup. Now it does not need to be position specific. All right, all right. So starting five lineup of fictional basketball characters in movies. So what that means is you cannot include characters played by actual NBA players, such as this is the prime example in blue chips. Neon Boudot is played by Shaq. Or Jesus Shuttlesworth played by Ray Allen. Or there you go. You definitely would be on this list. You can't pick uh, those sort of uh, fictional characters. All right. So Give me your starting five. Again, doesn't need to be position specific because that's just the way the NBA is nowadays. All right. So, I mean, obviously, Sidney Dean from White Man Can't Jump. Okay, I've, I've got him. I've got him. Okay. I got your boy, Jimmy Chitwood. From I've, got, I've got him. Got to have you know, a shooter. Got to have a um, shooter. Here's where things get a little dicey. I got Junior Battle from Coach Carter because he shut down a number one NBA pick 
in in their last game to be played. I need somebody that can play in the paint and do it all. Okay. You want to go give your next one, or you want me? To no, no. Finish, finish your top five. I'll, I'll or I'll say if I have the same. So all far, right, so we got I, two. Two of your three are the same. So I got Dean Chitwood Junior Battle, and then of course, if we're gonna win a championship, and the playoffs is all about guys that can get their own shot. So I got Anton Tyler from the Six Man, best player in college basketball, and then to is, that's Marlon up, Wayne's, right? Huh? Is that Marlon? No, that, that's the brother that died. That was Kadeem Hardison. He was the star. Oh, okay. What? I, who Kenny did... Tyler is Marlon Wayans. Oh, so who are you taking? Anton, the star. Oh, okay. Okay. Hoping, you know, hoping right. that he lives. You know I didn't see like... enough of him in the movie to really put Oh, he was five. he was going to be the number one pick before he died. And then to round it out, you got to have Shep from above the rim because he's the real talent in the movie. I got the legend. That is the legend. Nobody could guard him. And got... if, you want, if you want a six man off the bench, to run things, I'm going to go with the star player. You might not remember this show, but I'm going to go with Julie Connor from Hang Time because she walked in, made the guys' team at the varsity, won state championships, and she can handle the rock. She can shoot. She can do it all. So I have her be my Lou Will off the bench. I'm going to go. I've got Tommy Shepard, too. All right, so you got to have Shep, all right, from above the rim. So so the three we have in common, again, Jimmy, Jimmy Chitwood, Sidney Dean, Tommy Shepard. My two where I go different is this one's a little bit out of the blue, but I got to do it. Um, I'll, I'll save that one for last. My my big man is Sala from the air up there. Air up there. He, I, I was gonna pick him, is, but I'm like, oh no. Nah. I think Junior fits better with today's game. He. Oh, I don't know. I think he was that stretch type of guy. Nah, Junior can move. He was ahead man. of his time. This guy was ahead of his time. All right, he was ahead of his time. Movie, by the way, what's that? <laughs> a terrible movie. And then the fifth one, which you're gonna laugh, you're gonna be like, ah, oh, it doesn't count. I've got to go, Michael J. Fox and Teen Wolf, bro. Right, Turning into that. the Wolf. I mean, you could have picked Air Bud, but I mean, I figured you wouldn't do that. But yeah, you, yeah, Teen Wolf. I'm sure. going Teen Wolf. Who would want to guard him? You'd be scared of him. I don't you want Scott Howard. Man. I don't want Scott Howard. I want the Wolf. All right, give me the Wolf. You got a six man. I don't. Who would your coach be? Your fictional Ooh, coach. That is. Would oh, it be it's gotta, it's gotta would be, be Samuel L. Would it be Sam's, Pete? Would it be Pete Bell of Blue Chips? Nah, hell no. It's gotta be Samuel L. Cause I know my players gonna be eligible. They're gonna behave. They're gonna show up on time. <laughs> They're gonna graduate. Coach Carter is the perfect coach for my team. I like it's hard to go against Coach Carter. It as as head coach, I, I think you got to go with him. If I, I have feel to, like every other basketball movie, the coaches are all sleazy. Like he got game, the coach was sleazy. Uh, <laughs> white man can't jump. There was no coach. There was no coach. Hoosiers was say, sleazy. I, who? The coach at Hoosiers was sleazy. Uh, well, like, it wasn't that he was sleazy. He just had a he had a checkered past. Is what yes. it was. Call it what you want I, to. So if if I can't go Coach Carter because you take Coach Carter, let's say. I think I got to go with the above the rim coach. You know why? Because he just lets his guys play, right? Like he knows how to manage all the egos. (laughs) He he knows how to handle all the egos, right? Because he had what? What was that dude's name? Kyle, Kyle Watkins. What was his name? And yeah, um, yeah. uh, You know, the, the point guard in, in above the rim. And then you had Shep, right? Like he knew how to combine those guys. Like it was amazing. So those guys knew how to do it themselves well he's got shep right shep's only gonna play if that guy's the coach so me, shep shep may not play for coach carter let me ask you a question well i think shep will respect that coach carter is old school and that's why i picked him so i look at my team i got three dudes that could get their own shot in a tough game three guys that could do it all why do you think your team is better the wolf if you say because it's mine the wolf okay all right, secret weapon. I'm, I mean, listen, we have three of the same guys, right? So the difference is who's going to who's gonna guard the wolf? Because I'm having the wolf bring the ball up. Well, I have Shep roll because he's the, the only one crazy enough to do it. Well, Shep's got to cover Shep. Yeah, ah, nah. I'll let, uh, I'll let City – oh, so you got City Dean too. <laughs> I don't know. The wolf I – th- I think uh, I think Anton Tyler can get the wolf, but I don't think the wolf can cover him. Oh, come on. The wolf does it all. The wolf does it all. 
All right, JT. Well, that was a fun way to end the show. Great show as always. And to the fans and listeners out there, thank you as always for listening to us. We couldn't do it without you. And remember to please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and whatever platform you listen to all of your other favorite podcasts. And remember, if you like what we do, leave us a five-star review. And JT, if you don't like what we do, leave us a five-star review. And also follow us on social media, our handle JT in the Dawn. We can be found on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So JT, until the next episode, see ya. Peace.